and welcome to Trade Centre Live, brought to you by Sportsmate and Footy Live, where we talk all things trades, bringing you all the breaking news and real opinions from real fans. It's Wednesday, the 13th of October, and that means we are in the final day of the trade period. Only one deal done today, but we know the final day can throw up a few surprises, so make sure you stay tuned to the Trade Centre and also the Footy Live app in our socials, of course, on Instagram, afl.footylive. Before we get to the guests, just to confirm, the one deal done today is Jordan Dawson to Adelaide. We knew it was coming for a while, but finally, it's uh, nearly officially done. Uh, future first round pick is uh, going to go to Sydney's way, and Adelaide are pretty happy with that. Um, they got their man finally, and each day this trade period, we've got our men and women. Uh, we've got big fans from their beloved clubs talking to us each day, and then we've got a live 4pm show to wrap up your daily trade news. We're doing the same today, and the second guest of the day are Matthew and Nick from the Salty Bulldogs podcast. How are you, boys? Uh, James, pleasure to, pleasure to be here. Really looking forward to this one. Which I'm one's really the most salty out of you two? That's a very interesting question. I think it really depends on on the results. Um, no, nah, to be honest, I think we both uh, both take honours in that regard, Matthew and I, even though we try to outdo each other as much as we can at times. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good. Tell us uh, how, how, how long have you been doing the podcast? So the, the podcast started at the end of the, the 2017 season, so during mm-hmm. that sort of off-season period. So our yep. first season that we were really reviewing matches was 2018 um, and then did that for, for a couple of years and took a bit of a hiatus last year wasn't really um wasn't really suitable for for nick or i to be um to be doing the podcast last year in 2020 and then we came back again this year with a with a bullet so uh it's well i mean if you want to count last year we've been it's been on and off for about four years now Mm, Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the the saltiness as well because i don't often get asked that question where the name comes from um, I think people just assume that Nick and I aren't the most gracious in defeat. Yeah. Uh, it, it actually um, pays so much to um, something that Luke Beveridge did at the start of the 2016 season. He bought mm. a copy of a book called uh, Salty Dogs for everyone at the club. Ah. Uh, and the book is about um, uh, it's it's about exploring the, the unknowns and, and stretching your own sort of personal boundaries. Yeah. Uh, and that was something that, He's always encouraged his playing group to do, and that's um, I won't say it's what led to the premiership in 2016, but it was in that same year. And, and the book itself was published in 1989, which is another year that, that's quite pertinent in the Bulldogs' history, where yeah. they fought uh, fought uh, fought off the, the the wolves of the, the Victorian Football League to stay alive. That's right. And what about that doco? Did did you guys enjoy that doco back in the in the 90s as well with Terry Wallace saying he'll spew up? How good was that one? I think we enjoyed a lot of documentaries, to be fair, James. Um, yeah, we've probably seen our fair share, Matthew and I, across the board. And there's, of course, been a whole bunch of docos made um, post-2016, which we've um, mm. definitely got onto. But, you know, that Year of the Dogs documentary, that's that's a very, very interesting one. You're not, not often are you going to be um, given such access yeah. within, within the four walls of the book club, and that's what made it amazing. But when you take in the context of how – uh, disappointing and how um, terrifying that particular 1996 season was. You really get to see the, um, how would I say, it through the eyes of the football club, you know, the ins and outs and, and it all together. So, but yeah, we, we love it all. Mm. Why do you follow the dogs, by the way? Is it a family thing? For me, it is. Uh, yeah. So uh, not everyone, but pretty much the entire family is die in the wool. 
uh, the the origin from that one goes back to the first premiership in 54. So uh, my grandfather, Wally Donald, um, was vice captain of that, that premiership side um, back in 1954. Yeah. yeah so yeah, we go, we go back that far. So that's, so I was, I was born into it. I didn't really get much of a choice, but, but I yeah. wouldn't have it any other way in any, in, in any case. Mine's probably a bit different, of course, to Matt. I don't really have the, the bloodlines within mm-hmm. the club, but uh, I think mine goes back to, I don't know, one particular day when I was a, when I was in prep as a five-year-old and there was a Bulldog supporter. Um, it was a grade five or grade six. His name was Liam. And he was just uh, giving out footy cards, you see. Yeah. And he just offered a, he offered me the, the selection and said, oh, take your pick. You know, do you, do you know what the game is? And I'm thinking, oh, well, what is Aussie rules? I didn't know at the time properly. I hadn't got into it that mm-hmm. much. And um, coincidentally, I ended up taking or selecting anyhow the the Chris Grant football card back in oh. 2002. And uh, as much as he was happy to hand over the card at the same time, as that he was a Bulldog supporter and uh, he was slightly devastated at the same time seeing that disappear from his grasp. But um, right. that, was, uh, that was the choice. So, so what card I picked ultimately would... Uh, would be my fate. And it's, it's ironic, you know, my dad, of course, was a Bulldog, but uh, and my mum and my sister are Carlton supporters, but uh, it was never pushed upon me. So I'd like to say it was, um, even though it was my choice, but uh, yeah, fate was, uh, fate determined me to, to be a Western Bulldog supporter. Yeah, definitely. And I want to congratulate you too, firstly, because you haven't teared up yet. Uh, obviously the grand final is still very raw. <laughs> Talking about 40 must be hard. How, how difficult was that to sit through? I'm still wondering what on earth happened. <laughs> you know, I I like to try to think on the analytical one, yeah. But sometimes statistics don't exactly show what what on earth went wrong in that mm. regard. There too, you know, I've tried dissecting the the centre bounce combinations in that final, you know, final two minutes of that third term, and mm. and just seeing surely something's gone there. But watching the vision again, it just had to be unfortunately looked like Lubert might have been a bit too aggressive at those stoppages and looked to be a bit more uh, ball hunting and, and watching his man by the looks of it. So but that's football. It doesn't uh, take away anything that we achieved this year, and that's the way that we have to look at it, though. Always carried the fear of losing a, a grand final, mm. uh, particularly supporting a club that uh, that hasn't had that success, you know, the, the yep. desire to be there, but then the fear that once once you get there to see them to see them fall short. Uh, you, you would think it'd be... Bitterly disappointing seeing mm. how it all unfolded, but it's such an unusual, such an unusual game in, in so many factors. I think mm. you, you look at the just the raw numbers and you see seventy four points, and you think, well, Melbourne had it easy. There was a period in the match where the Bulldogs kicked eight of nine goals, and Melbourne went. Well, they would have gone the best part of nearly 50, 60 minutes with only one goal on, on to their yeah. name, and that patch from the first to the third term. So, for large portions of the game, the Bulldogs were right in it and and probably on top in in a lot of regards as well i think you just got to you got to put it down to a side a very good side in melbourne um that i've certainly doubted throughout the year but they've dispelled that along the way um for for sure and they just played a well they just played a perfect 15 15 16 minutes to end that that third term and and sometimes teams just play perfect football um, if things just just click for them, and it's just a matter of when and and how it happens, and you know, unfortunately, it it happened at a really bad time from a bulldog's perspective. But as as Nick said, it shouldn't take away from what a what a terrific effort it's been through the finals campaign, 
through all the traveling that they've done, but through the season as as well, the way they've played is well, for 95% of it was phenomenal. Mm, that's right. And you said about doubting Melbourne throughout the season. I think everyone had their doubts because the fact it was Melbourne and we didn't really believe it. And then when the Bont took those marks inside 50, I, I honestly thought it was the dogs, the dogs game. It would have been absolutely devastating. So I apologize for making you relive it. Kind of, but you know. We will relive it every single day, I think, until uh, we get this rectified, James. So That's right. That. That's right. Well, I want to take you back just briefly now to, to the season that was. And how would you rate it as a whole? Because obviously going into it, you know, Bulldogs fans, they were optimistic heading into the season, I think. But I don't think you predicted that you'd be playing in a grand final. I might be wrong. But, you know, you won your first six. And then there was injuries as well. You lose your last three games of the season. You finish fifth. And that's when a lot of people put a line through the doggies that, that end to the uh, to the season. And then as you like to do and Beveridge likes to do, be the underdog and you got there. How would you rate it as, as a whole season? I think Nick and I sat down at the start of the year to do, did a season preview and we did it with a couple of other people as well. And I think we were all sort of along the, on the same wavelength of on the periphery of, of the top four. So probably mm-hmm. finishing fifth or sixth at the end of the home and away, um, but having to win a final. Yeah. Uh, now, ultimately, fifth is where we finished up at the, at the end of the home and away season. It is easy to forget that given we were, I think we were in the top two for was it 18 was, of, the, of the 23 or 19 I, of the 23 weeks? I think it was top two for 20 rounds, 20 and rounds. we were sitting on top for eight of those, with mm. Melbourne sitting top of the ladder for 11 and Port Adelaide the, the remaining uh, three or four rounds, give or take. So it was, so I, I think in that regard, certainly if we reflect on what we did at the start of the season, certainly surpassed expectations. Ultimately, we, we won that final. We probably deserved to finish higher than fifth, um, mm. despite the last three rounds, given the, the way we, we played throughout the rest of the season. If I'm giving it a, a mark, I'd have to be an A. Mm-hmm. Um, the last three rounds and the, and the last 45 minutes of, of the grand final prevent it from being an A+, plus, but yep. it, it certainly exceeded the expectations of, I would think, the majority of Bulldog fans. I think getting that finals win was a massive tick, but then to go and win two more, and, as I say, really tough circumstances, that, that really bumps up that mark quite high. Same for you, Nico? Yeah, and I'd have to, have to agree with Matthew right there. Uh, I think it's more so for the fact is that the past few years since that flag, I think we both were trying to understand what was happening post the premiership in 2017 and 2018 with the with the side taking a, a different, uh, how would I say, different pathway. Mm. Uh, they could have easily tried to, to, say, top up to keep themselves around that mark. But, you know, they went through back to the draft and you got the likes of Aaron Norton, Ed Richards, Bailey Smith, Cody Waitman, these types of guys add a bit of energy and a bit of flair to the group. And, you know, had those picks been traded, you bring in the likes, coincidentally, one of them would have been our destroyer in Jay Cleaver. But um, a few other prospects like that too. But ultimately, you can probably say that the the path taken has made a lot of sense because we could have easily had probably, say, finished once again in that mid-range. But to see the club this year take the the step forward that we know that it's very much capable of and what it has promised to be was probably the most rewarding factor. So... In that regard, from from the past two previous finals exits to, to see us now make a grand final, yeah, have to be a, a minimum A. Just mm. on that 2016 yeah. premiership site, what makes that more remarkable, and a lot of people overlook, is that that wasn't really Luke Beveridge's list. So I think 19 mm. of the of the 
uh, of the 22 that played that day were on the list before he arrived. So that was really Brendan McCartney's list. He yeah, won a yeah. flag with the, the list of another coach. Mm-hmm. Now what we're seeing, and, and as Nick alluded to, what we've done since that premiership was we've started to mould Beveridge's list. Yeah, And now you can see what Beveridge can do with, with his own list. And he's got the group to a grand final, three three finals campaigns in a row. So I think we're, there's, a, there's a lot to be excited about now for Bulldogs fans that we're seeing Beveridge with his own group of players. Definitely. And you got excited about that forward setup as well. I thought it worked well. And Josh Bruce and Aaron Norton, very good combination. I think they kicked 95 between them for the season. We obviously knew uh, Bruce got injured towards the end of it. And then when they couldn't mark it, obviously, Crumming, it was Cody Waitman, Mitch Han played well. And then you had your, uh, I think, your well, Trelaw was injured and Dunkley, but the players that came in, they filled the void, and I thought it was really impressive. Like you said, I think around twenty, you were still on top of the ladder. Uh, you did you did very well in certain big moments, and that seventy-one point win over Port Adelaide was a personal highlight. If I look on the uh, and as uh, Nico does a little dance, still excited about that one. From the outside, that Bulldogs win was the biggest for mine. Do you guys have a, a specific highlight from the season? Nick and I earlier in the year. Um, recognized the Bulldogs were doing their were celebrating their 2000th match and they they celebrated in fine style with probably their worst performance of the year against Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. Um, but upon reviewing that after the Port Adelaide game and the Brisbane game, um, we've not we've not sort of updated the list, but I think we've agreed that if we would, those two would feature quite highly in the top five games Bulldogs have ever played in. Mm. So um, that uh, that Port Adelaide game was was unbelievable in terms of what an upset it was real shades of the um, final against West coast in 2016, where we were given no hope. And then we've just traveled interstate and blown the raging favorites out of the water. Yeah. Um, the Brisbane match up the gap was, was extraordinary. That's just an, an unbelievable mm-hmm. match capped off by it. Wasn't the winning goal um, from Bailey Smith, but it, it certainly does deserve to be the winning goal. Yeah. It was an unbelievable moment. Um, if I'm going for an underrated one, as ridiculous as this sounds, it's hard to look past Josh Bruce's 10-goal haul. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't happen very often. And That's unfortunately, right. it, in, in COVID and in the run to the, to the grand final, it, it's been forgotten. It has unfortunately, been. Unfortunately, which is, which is extraordinary given how rare 10-goal hauls are these days. But that was a great, that was a great day, that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh dear, there's there's been a fair few moments. And yeah, a heap of them, isn't there? Yeah. I, I think it would probably, uh, besides those two finals, well, we had three finals, which is, but two of those were just absolutely amazing, to say the least. I think it was probably the uh, the first home game that we were able to attend this year. Of course, we all went to, to round one against Collingwood, but uh, the following week was against West Coast, and that was our first game in Mar- at Marble Stadium in 596 days. So... For us to be able to to return to the home crowd and to play it off in probably one of the best matches of the season, and would have taken a lot of um, a lot of games to, to beat that, and then to probably see Bontempelli at the end come up clutch and seeing the home crowd go wild, and you know it was it was probably something again that we haven't been able to enjoy for for a long period of time, and, and to see that happen in the flesh again, you know it is only a home and away game, but it's something that will probably stick with me for for quite some time especially when, you know, we've seen us on occasions throw away match-winning leads or, or the way that we play probably deserves a bit more. But then to see an opposition side in the fourth quarter like West Coast, you know, take the reins, but 
see us come back and show that resolve, which we showed plenty of times throughout the for the rest of the season, it's sort of where it was probably and arguably kickstarted from that week. Hmm. Hey, I normally ask uh, the fans their low light of the season, but I think we know what the low light was for the doggies, unfortunately. But I want to ask you: Are you guys do you, do you cry when you know big moments like that? Do you cry or do you get angry? Do you get disappointed? What what do you do in the low moment as doggies sport? What do you do grand final that? It was it was very numb for me. I was yeah. I was still perplexed watching it. You know, yeah. but never never ever am I going to turn off the, the television or, or mm. leave a game early by any sorts. So yeah, no, no, I, I can't do that anyways. Like my um one of my old demon supporters and one of my old David's friends, he's um he unfortunately attended the 148 point shellacking back in 2012, and he did not leave at all. <laughs> so I've got no excuses. That's right. On I that no, I unfortunately didn't think so. Just had to. Had to go off the flows, and we've had the highs, and mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to go off the lows to appreciate just how good the highs can be. Now, obviously, losing a grand final, and any fan who has experienced losing a grand final will walk away disappointed at the very least. Um, I haven't haven't seen us lose a close grand final. I can imagine losing by a significant margin would be a little bit easier to stomach mm-hmm. because then you don't spend years pondering over the the what ifs and, and the what could have been. Yeah. So my mum, for instance, is a, is a Collingwood fan. Um, not not on not on Wally's side, um, but she often talks about the 2002 Grand Final with um, you know the the ghost goal from Anthony yeah. Rocker and and things like that and and that was that was 20 years ago now um, mm. and and that still gets brought up so I think it's easier to take as um, if it's a if it's a big loss knowing that it's not just these little little things here and there that that could have so easily gone another way but as Nick says it's I mean at the end of the day we're still the second best side and over the over the course of an entire year and that's that's nothing to be ashamed of by any stretch mm-hmm. um so i think there's there's much to celebrate um despite despite the final 45 minutes of the last game of the year that's right but it's time to look to the future now we've got the trade period now it's the last day of it before i ask you about what's happened so far i think today some good news uh re-signed rook smith and that's the first time he's ever received a multi-year deal so you, you boys happy for him Thrilled for him. Thrilled yeah. for him. It's it's been a long journey. I think he's the only bulldog to be drafted to the club three times. Yeah. <laughs> so he broke that record last year. Um, I think as as fans, we all love these underdog backs against the wall stories, uh, and particularly the bulldogs who have always been that sort of club as well uh, are very much a backs to the wall club. Uh, Rourke. Personally, um, I've not always been a, a huge fan of, of persisting with him um, just due to the fact that you see a, a fellow that's had some injuries and has played, I think it's 37 games. The grand final was was his 37th game in, in seven or eight seasons now. And you wonder at what point do you look to, to maybe move on? Perhaps there's something better out there or something that can someone that can get a few more games on the board. Um, but you can't knock his, his persistence. And he does have some very positive traits as well. Um, despite despite all of that, it was great to see him play so well during the final series. Um, you know, despite you know saying suggesting that it might be time to move on, it's not that you don't want these players to succeed. Um, so I was thrilled for him to have four really good finals. Actually, he played really well in all of them, and and thoroughly deserves that new deal of his. We'll be back after a quick break.
that's pretty well put. I can't add much more to that, Matthew, to be honest. But no, you're right. The idea of seeing uh, or the term, you know, battle, it, it fits the, the embodiment of what the club is and, and so does Rourke in that regard. And we know that Beveridge has always been very protective and very caring of his players. And, and Rourke has certainly been one of those that mm. he's had a, uh, he's had a lot of faith in. And it's good to see that that faith has been rewarded in, in both parties, whether it is for the club and for Rourke itself. So it's it's something the club, especially uh, Beveridge's team, is is hugely built upon that trust. And to see that trust go a long way is uh, is pretty special. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and and hopefully, season twenty twenty two is special for the doggies, and they've done themselves no harms during the trade period. Obviously, Tim O'Brien, he's you know got the capacity to be a a good pickup, I think, um, and he can. He can compete in the air well, and I reckon you could chuck him forward or back. Then Lewis Young, he didn't really crack into the side, so moving to him to the Blues is, is not a huge deal, really. And then you've got the points now to pick up Sam Darcy. He gave away Lipinski. Uh, he got pick forty three back. It's what do you what do you make of the trade? Obviously, when you when you make a grand final, there's not too much big deals going on usually. How, how would you rate this trade period and, and the moves that have been made? It is interesting because you bring up, of course, with Tim O'Brien there, um, had some numbers on him the other day. So most likely, of course, would be played down back as an mm. intercepting defender. And uh, between round 18 and 22, uh, he was able to take 23 intercept marks. Oh, sorry, 16 intercept marks in that time. He only took 23 throughout the whole year, but that's because mm. he was thrown all over the place. So yeah. to see 16 of them come in those, you know, that five-game stretch, which is quite impressive. And again, that's a position of ours that's been quite lacking. and. We were all very hopeful. Matt and I were discussing yesterday that uh, we were hopeful that Lewis Young would have been the one to have assumed that mantle of that uh, that tall intercepting defender, but unfortunately, just wasn't to be. So, yeah. And I bring in O'Brien as a, as an unrestricted free agent, just costs us salary cap space, and you know that's that's got the capacity, as you mentioned, James, to to be quite a win for us in that regard. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep, points for Sam Darcy. That's that's terrific, and that's going to go a long way. Not just, of course, for um, or even for next year, provided we still got to uh, get him, nonetheless. But even still, it says that the building blocks are still in place for for 2024, 25, 26. You know, of course, being able to to bring in Jamara last year, mm-hmm. and again potentially Sam Darcy. You know, it's not often you get you know back to back finals campaigns, and you're able to bring in blokes that go in the top the top two draft selections, give or take. So. Yeah, happy to to back the club on that matter, and um, I'll probably say a probably a B plus. It could be pushed to an A if Sam yeah. Power can, you know, wave his wand and pull off some magic and bring in a ruckman. But <laughs> I think there's not much on the market, and I could probably understand the position as to why the club's gone gone with its direction, with itself just backing uh, Tim English, Jordan Sweet, who's of course signed a two year deal, and uh, and Stefan Martin, who's mm. also put pen to paper for another year. Hey, Matty, is Patrick Lipinski a big loss or it doesn't really bother you? Um, it's it's a really good question, actually, because uh, Lipinski has got some very positive traits mm. uh, from, from a midfielder. Unfortunately, when you're trying to fit that into a midfield group that has the names of Bontempelli, McRae, Liberatore, Trelaw, Dunkley, it, yeah. can, it can result in a talented player missing out and... Unfortunately, that that's what we see with or that's what we've seen with Lipinski. Really, over 2018, 19, and 20 campaigns, he's been a, a regular um, stapler in the best 22 side. Um, 
and his preseason this year and his start to the season was really positive. So I could see the signs of of a player uh, who was really determined to make a name for himself. Now, fortunately, it didn't quite work out. And when you know you they hold on to Dunkley in the off season last year, and then they bring in uh, Trelaw, obviously. Uh, Liberatore gets back to full fitness. And then, you know, there's a couple of other names like Anthony Scott, Lockie McNeil that have um, worked really hard and earned their opportunity. It just means that those, those spots in the midfield are, are really at a premium and, and someone does have to miss out. I mm. think 43 is a good get for Collingwood. Um, if I'm looking at it from a Magpies perspective, yeah. perspective he's definitely worth more than that. Yeah. Um, but as an out-of-contract player, as Nick said, there's not much that you can do. And the same with the sleeve king, Lewis Young, as, as we like to call him. Um, another out-of-contract player. They were both offered deals by the Bulldogs, so they did want to keep them. But ultimately, if a player's out-of-contract and wants to leave, there's, there's not much you can do, I'm afraid. That's right. Hey, let's play list manager here. If you could do whatever you wanted with the doggies list in the trade period, it's deadline day today. What move do you make? Your dream one. You can do whatever you want. What do you do? You're probably giving us a, a bit bit too much free reign here. I think I <laughs> That's what we want. Pick, uh, we want, pick, we want outrageous things. Yep. 92 for Brody Grundy was floated last night. <laughs> um, I think that, I, I think, you know, that we maybe need to chuck in a, another late future fourth or fifth rounder to sweeten the deal. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that the dream would be bringing in, in a Ruckman. Yeah. Um, but as Nick and I have, uh, I think, I think I said this to Nick the other day, the Bulldogs historically have been infamous for bringing in a player from another club for the sake of bringing in a player mm. from another club. You look at yeah. some of the names we brought in, in in recent years who have not amounted to, to what was um, promised. So I would be fine with the Bulldogs not bringing in a Ruckman from another club. Okay. Um, as, as long as, you know, the, the name that they do bring in is the right name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a few names have been floated about, Laddam, Segler, or, or pretty much any Ruckman that's realistically on the market. Um I'm fine with them them saying no to that, and I'm and I'm fine with them saying yes to the right ruckman, though, not just bringing in one for the sake of it. Yeah, Nick, are you bringing in Max Gorn? Oh, to be honest, uh, I'd, I'd I'd happily take. I think any any club would, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I tell you, I really would not mind a again a, a 27, 28 year old Stefan Martin. So we need the time machine to to unwind and go back there, but that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point in time, I think in terms of what we need to to be able to at least capitalise on this midfield group, I'm hopeful that there might have been the capacity to to sway Todd Goldstein for another couple of years. He's still very, very durable and he's an excellent tap ruckman, got one of the highest, uh, not only hit out uh, percentage win ratios, but hit out to advantage as well. And, you know, with our midfield, that's just rolled gold right there. So uh, North Melbourne covering 90% of his salary and uh, we pay pittance for that. So that's the intention right there. So thank you, North. Perfect. That sounds good and doable. Very nicely done. Hey, everything goes right, all right? Say so you have a good preseason, no injuries, um, and you do well in the in the last hours of the trade period, like you suggest. Where do, where do the doggies finish next year, in all honesty? Where where do you predict that the doggies finish? Well, I think no injuries is a bit sumptuous. This is the yeah, Western Bulldogs we're talking about that's right. here, James. Um, I would I would anticipate that the Bulldogs' last few hours in this trade period will be fairly quiet. Mm-hmm. Um their priority during the offseason has been Sam Darcy, uh, making sure yeah. they've got points for that. They can cover any bid made after pick two without going into deficit at this point. And given North's um, 
determination hold on to pick one i'd anticipate that they'll just be going with juan francis and not yeah. not wasting time with any sort of bids so I, I think we'll be okay in that regard darcy won't um won't be won't have a bid made on him at pick one mm-hmm. um i, I will look I, I think certainly there's every possibility of the, of the bulldogs going all the way next season it's still a very young list um lots of those Lots of our very best players still very much in their prime, and then there's a there's a few young players as well, um, particularly up forward. You've got Aaron Norton, who's had his first full preseason. We see what he can do, nearly 50 goals. There's a kid called Jamara Hagen, who I'm told uh, has a bit about him. Uh, and for him to get a preseason after what two years of yeah. of constant interruptions, it'll be fantastic for him to get a genuine run at it. Um, another, hopefully. Um, another few kilos into team English, see him bulk up a little bit more. Uh, even though there's nothing ready-made coming in externally aside from O'Brien, I think there's a lot of scope for the Bulldogs to to improve. And a flag is certainly not out of reach in 2022. Mm-hmm. I think Nico's got Jamara winning the Coleman as well. So, Nick, are they finishing top? Oh, for now, I think we've just got to worry about uh, making sure we qualify for top four. But, yes, if, if that happens, then the, the possibilities are still endless. And, yeah. you know, the, the team, you go into next, Next year, not just as uh, as dogs fans, but as neutrals out there, were they'd still be thinking that we're a side to be very much, um, you know, to an extent uh, terrified of because mm-hmm. we've got the capacity to to blow sides away, and there's a lot of weapons. You know, it's it's not a bad starting core group that we've got, and it's not just the um, it's not just now the leaders of 2016 who are now in their mature years and in their prime, but it's the second tier below. You know, these. Um, not foot soldiers per se, but the ones that are providing that support, like the likes of Bailey Smith. And we know Hunter's taken his game to another level. And then you get the likes of, again, Taylor Jaray, Bailey Dale, Bailey Williams, these players, they've all taken the next step and um, they've eased the, the load on, on our superstars. So, again, I'd very much say the intention is, yep, get that home final and, and let the rest take care of itself from there because – Again, we we did a lot right this year, and we we're only you know forty five minutes away from from pulling it off when it didn't really look likely um, a month earlier, which was a bit disrespectful for, for how the season had gone. But mm-hmm. you know that's what happens when your form tapers off. But you no, know, very much uh, I'm in the mind frame of top two, and we'll see we'll see what happens from there. That's right. All right, ten quick questions. Let's do the fun stuff here. Which player would you most like to have a beer with at the pub from the doggies? One player. Who would you choose? I reckon. I reckon Libba would be entertained. Oh, he'd be. Yeah, <laughs> he'd be a good laugh, Libba. Yeah. If he can bring Shane Biggs along with him, then it'd be even better with the, with that deadly duo right there. But uh, no, I think I tell you, I wouldn't mind hearing a few stories from from Cody Waitman. I think just a bit strange. It's been a um, bit of a ball of energy there. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that there's something there to bring up with him. Very nice. Uh, if you had to get rid of either the Bond or McRae Antrelaw, who would it be? I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the Bond every day of the week <laughs> and twice on Sundays. I mean, McRae Antrelaw are um, exceptional players, stars of the competition. Um, McRae will be one of the, the best Bulldogs ever uh, by the time he's done. Uh, but I already think Bontempelli is the best player the Bulldogs have ever had. Ever. So that's yeah. huge. Yeah, good. Yep. So yeah. I'm, I'm taking. You're taking, I'm taking the Bond. Him. Yep, the Bond. Can't really fault that. It is a very cruel question, though, to mm. ask. But no, it is. No, Matt's definitely got a point there, though. There's obviously there's not just something about the Bond. There's there's a whole lot of everything about him, and um, I keep mentioning to to Matt on occasions about 
players that have come into football clubs over the years. And other than, you know, Joel Selwood in 2007 and, and Chris Judd in 2002 for, for Geelong and West Coast respectively, uh, no one else has been able to, to change the or transform the club in, in the manner on the field like those two guys have probably other than Bolton Pelly in mm. my books. Shot after the siren, 45 degree angle, 40 metres out. Who do you choose to kick it? Can we bring back Tori Dixon? <laughs> <laughs> Not for this one. Um, look, uh, his goal kicking is um, maligned, mm-hmm. but when the goals are needed to be kicked, Bontempelli always kicks them. Always kicks them. Always the kicks them. Yeah, yeah if, it's, if it's halfway during the second quarter, <laughs> you'll miss it. If it's after the siren to win the game, every time. He's clutch. Every time. He's clutch. Is that yep. Nick's pick too? It, it would be. I want yeah. to try to make it a bit different, though, but yeah, 100% I'd be saying yeah. Bontempelli. But if he, by some chance, is injured, which is very probable with us, for some reason I'd thinking I'd be taking Caleb Daniel, actually, for that as, oh, a, yeah. as a second choice. Yeah. Yes, little Diego, yes, I'd be uh, happy to back him in very that regard. <laughs> if the Doggies had to merge with one team, not the Gold Coast or GWS. Who who would you pick? I would touch Giants with a ten foot pole. So that's okay. we're, oh, we're tr- right that's with, true. We're Sorry, all right with true. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, this is, is a tough that one. Is, that is a tough one. This is the first time I've seen Nico sit back in his chair. This uh, stumped him. The, remember, word, the word merger scares me. I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> I remember not that I've got any allegiance to any other side. I hate them all equally. Yeah. Um, I think. There was they did a documentary after the 2016 triumph, and David Smorgan, who was um, president for a long period of time with mm-hmm. the, the Bulldogs during the 90s and the noughties, um, suggested that uh, St Kilda would be a natural fit for for a potential merger. Uh, so you've got um, Bulldogs close to Williamstown Beach, and then St Kilda close to St Kilda Beach. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a natural connection there, or they see thought so. Um, yeah, I'd go with him for no, for no reason other than that. Other than that, yeah, Nick. Oh Jesus, that's it's a very interesting question. We can we can uh, we can have three times the premiership, and we can boost our tally up to three with that regard. <laughs> or do I try to push it with say, not saying I want this, but let's say if we did it to an Essendon Carlton, we can have eighteen flags. That's true. That's very tempting right there, but uh, that's just blasphemous. So. Yes, why not? Let's uh, let's stick with the Saints. I've got a lot of long-suffering friends, so we can share the misery we'll together. Go with the Saints. Yeah, the, the only other one might be Richmond, if because it means we get to the song, we get probably the best song in the in the league. That's true. That's true. The best song, undoubtedly. Would you? Oh, you win the flag next year. Let's say, how do you celebrate if you win it next year? Hmm. Um. Probably try and pre-order slash order as much premiership memorabilia as I can immediately after. Um, Hopefully we've got the freedom to be able to actually go out and and celebrate it. We will. Positive thoughts. Nick and myself, and we've got a couple of other mates who are are Bulldogs fans. Yeah. Um, They don't come around very often. They are hard to win as we've, (laughs) we've learned all too well. Um, No, we would, I think we would like to catch up and, and drink something alcoholic or otherwise and make the most of it. That's that's one thing I wasn't able to uh, to do in 2016. I don't know why I didn't, but I was probably just too too stunned and just stuck yeah. at home wondering what on earth just happened there. <laughs> but uh, ironically, you know, I attended the the Richmond celebrations the, the following year, and to see how that's went, mm. yeah, I probably really shouldn't have done that in 2016. So I'm looking forward to hopefully having the opportunity in 2022. 
That's that's right. And speaking of grand finals, would you rather sit right up the top in the nosebleeds by yourself for the grand final or at home with your family and friends? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. I've done the at home with family this mm. year. Yeah. I was right up amongst it in 2016, right mm. behind the, the cheer squad. Oh, how good um, that, yeah. It's a really tough one. Um, I think with family and friends, that's I think that's the best way to to celebrate it. I was with with my uncle in 2016, so I got to yeah. share it with him. Um, I think that would I think it would be much better going through that with mm. people that that you're close to. Yeah, special moments. Yeah, Nico. Well, I've had of course back in 16, I wasn't able to attend the the grand mm. final, so I've had that to little box ticked off now in terms of being able to celebrate with with family and friends yeah. in that regard at home. And, and that was very nice. You know, that was, I said, it's exceptional. It's very, very relaxing in that regard. But uh, no, I wouldn't mind having the opportunity to celebrate with a hundred thousand yeah. <laughs> strangers out there. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be quite cool. And then again, maybe the following year later, go back to home and, and try it again that way. So. That's right. I reckon you got to do both. It's a good yeah. answer. Uh, if you could look exactly like one Bulldogs player, who do you pick? Oh, screw it. Okay. Well, I think I think I think, I, I think I've the, got an idea. I've I think some of the better looking ones have uh, just been just been carted out the door. <laughs> Lipinski <laughs> and Young. Um, so our options are. Oh, the Bond's pretty good looking. He, he is pretty good looking. The Bond. Someone did ask me once um, if I was Jackson McRae's brother. This is mm. a few years ago now. The answer is no. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, no. Uh, I, I can't. I can't hold bloodlines with all the best bulldogs. Um, yeah, you do have a bit of McRae about you. Yeah, look, I'll just, I'll just go with with McRae because it won't change too much. Nice. I don't know. I think it's just uh, for some reason, you know, I got attached to him a couple of years ago. So let's just stick with the uh, Bailey Smith and that mullet of his. Why not? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Bailey I, I had the, the I had one, the yeah. mullet a couple of years, for a few years back in twenty twelve yeah. for a. 2016 or so. So let's uh, maybe it's an opportunity to bring it back right there and then also get that a uh, particular rig of his, you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> good answer. That's a good one. If you uh, had to choose one Bulldogs player to play millionaire hot seat on your behalf and all money goes to you, who do you pick? Oh, I think I'll be taking Mitch Wallace. Mitch Wallace. Or clever man. Or, or Stefan Martin. One of those two. I don't yeah. think you could fail with, to be honest. Either of those yeah. options. Liberatore is deceptively smart as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so he's because um, I remember because he went to the same school I did. His ATAR was maybe uh, which is his VCE score is was mm. quite high. I think it was, I think we're talking high nineties, possibly really nine. Yes. Yeah. He's Jeez, yeah. He's quite go. a smart. Yeah. Smart one. Um, so I, I'd probably go with him because I, I feel yeah. like he'd have a bit more more of that street knowledge to him. Yeah. That, yeah. That he'd be good Martin, at on a trivia um, night and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wallace may not have. Yeah. Very well in the Simpsons episodes too. He do he quite would. exceptional there. <laughs> he would do. If Netflix asked you to choose one player to do a documentary on about their life story from the dog years, who would you suggest? I love the. Oh no, I can't do him because he's not not a current player. I was going to say Dale Morris. So I thought that would have been a great story. That would have been, but yeah, no, um, we need a current. Current. When you say current, does it also still count at recently retired or are we just talking all of 2021? We'll do 2021. All right, then, well, I think it'd be interesting to see the getting into football for for Lin Jong. I think that would yeah. be a nice story right there. That would be a good unfortunately one. Unfortunately, he's retired. and That's right. That's a shame, but yep, so I'll take like that little that loophole one. there. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I'll, I'll go Jason Johannesson. Started, mm. uh, I think he was born in South Africa, grew up in, in South Africa, came to WA, started playing rugby, they transitioned to football and, and culminates in, in a Norm Smith medal, I think is a, is, a, is a pretty good story. That is a very good one. I'd watch that one. If you had to swap Luke Beveridge with one current AFL head coach right now, who would it be? And I know it's tough because you love Bevo. Yeah. So who would it be? We can't, we can't do Clarko either. So no, that, no that really Clarko. Does, it really does uh, make it difficult. That's right. Hmm. A lot of people have picked. Who have been the choice? Hardwick's been picked. John Longmire's been picked. Chris Fagan. A few. That's a lot of options. Half of them is, yeah. Most of these guys will come from Hawthorne anyway, so we can't really miss out in this regard. Yeah, that's right. Um. Ratten has had a fair degree of success. Um, was a successful coach at, at Carlton. I think mm. fairly um, mm. uh, sacked. Yep. Um, then had a bit of a success, uh, sort of in the in the back rows at Hawthorne, and then obviously got St Kilda to a finals win last year. Struggled a bit this year, but he's he's generally led a, a successful side wherever wherever he's gone. Just for the variety of of. Or for the sake of variety, I'd go with, with Brett Ratten. I reckon. I like it, Brett Ratten. No, nah, we'll we'll go with uh, we'll go with Chris Fagan. I think. You like Chris Fagan. I think so. There's still a fair bit more, and he was, of course, the supposed mastermind of Clarkson. So we'll see what he could. Uh, I'm sure he's probably got a few more tricks potentially up than Beveridge. But you know, Beveridge is just a, an incredible coach, and very very grateful that we've actually had him. Yes, yeah. Speaking of grateful, I'm very grateful to you guys for coming on today and having a really fun chat. Can you tell everyone where they can uh, find all your content? Absolutely. So the Salty Bulldog podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. There's also social media channels as well, uh, the main one being on Twitter, at the Salty Bulldog. Um, so you'll be able to follow that one and make sure to hit the notification bell too for all the all the updates uh there's our facebook and instagram pages as well so instagram that dot salty dot bulldog uh, just the salty bullet for facebook and our website too nick and i tend to write uh articles um throughout the course of the year so that's www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com.au forward slash home Brilliant stuff. You guys are absolute legends. Thank you so much for coming on today and having a chat. Everyone out there, hashtag Trade Center Live to get involved. And coming up at 3 o'clock, we're talking everything about Sydney Swans in the last day of the trade period. And then 4 p.m., we'll be wrapping up all the daily news. We appreciate your company. I appreciate these two legends coming on having a chat. We'll speak to you guys soon. Peace.